So uh, a lot of you know that we took a family vacation to Broken Bow, Oklahoma uh, this summer. Many of you had been there and we had heard you talking about it and it was a great fun uh, place for family to go and not really that far to get to. And so uh, we went and we had a great time and we were looking for suggestions and fun things to do. And uh, some of you mentioned family kayaking, that that was something you did while you were there. And so I looked into that and found a place that came highly recommended. And I called to, to make a reservation. And the, the first question was, would you like to do the eight-mile kayaking trip or the five-mile kayaking trip? And I went, that's the only two options you got? Five or eight miles? That seems kind of long on a kayak, right? So I said, sign us up for the five-mile kayaking trip, right? So, so I got that one right, but where I went wrong was on the next question that she asked me. She said, would you like two tandem kayaks or would you like four individual kayaks? And I thought, well, you know, my kids are teenagers now they're becoming much more independent and so surely everyone would want their own kayak to paddle for the whole five mile trip that we were doing so put us down for four individual kayaks well it did not take very long for us to figure out that that was the wrong choice I mean, as soon as we hit the water, Eli took off like it was a race and like he was going to try to set the record for who could go that, the fastest in the five miles. And Natalie, not to be outdone by a challenge, accepted the challenge and began to race after him saying, I'm not letting my teenage son win, right? And so I'm there watching them just head off and I turn around and Ava is behind me and she has this look on her face like, seriously? Like you, dad, you want me to paddle this thing for five straight miles. I don't think so. And she just sat there. And I went, this is not good. Can we get the tandem kayak? But it was too late by that time. I mean, we had to go somewhere, and then they drive you like five miles up the river and drop you off with only the kayaks that had been reserved for that day. So we're stuck. I mean, I'm doing my best to encourage and support. And, you know, I mean, I used to be a coach and motivate people. So, I mean, I'm doing my best, and I kind of get her to do, but we're moving turtle pace I mean we're going nowhere fast and so finally I'm looking around I'm going okay we had to borrow a cooler from the owner because I didn't come very prepared he got us some waters and ice and his cooler and there was a bungee cord wrapped around the cooler to keep it secure and I'm like you know I bet that thing's secure enough it probably doesn't need that bungee cord so I undid the bungee cord and I hooked it to the back of my kayak and to the front of her kayak and like I'm just going to paddle us both right so I mean I'm getting after it you know and I'm trying to catch up I know they're long gone down the road now and the first couple of miles is fine I mean I other than the fact my forearms and shoulders and lats were burning like crazy because I'm the only one paddling things were going okay right but then we get to this spot in the river where there was this curve and 
there had been some rain the day before and it was flowing a little bit more than it usually does I think and then a tree had fallen over into the river right where this curve and you know when things begin to curve the river kind of speeds up anyway and with the tree there and the water coming up and going around it I mean this current was flowing right here and so I'm doing my best to get us over to the right side of the tree and my kayak is fine I'm on the right side but because we're attached and the current was so strong it did like this slingshot thing where Ava went to the other side and landed against the tree and then the bungee cord was caught right in the corner where I'm on the right side and the current's flowing really hard and she's stuck on the other side and again you know with the bungee and when that happens and it's flowing there's kind of this jolt all of a sudden so there's this jolt and it just flips me completely out of the kayak at this point now I'm floating down the river I lost my paddle I lost the guy's cooler that he let me borrow my flip-flops come off my hat goes off thank goodness I didn't have my phone at all with me and I'm sitting here thinking my daughter's back there and I'm I'm flowing fast like down the river I'm doing what can I find I'm finally I'm grabbing a hold of whatever I can get and come to a complete stop but now I got to get back to her somehow right and so thank goodness there's a shallow area and I'm able to kind of walk up and and then you couldn't really get to her and the tree's tall I couldn't even see her I didn't know what would happen where she was what was going on is loud and so now I'm having to climb over the tree and I mean this is a big tree and there's like sharp pointy limbs and I'm going if I fall and I cut myself open and like I'm going to bleed to death right there's nobody else around my daughter's counting on me right now so I'm going really slow and having to watch every step that I take and I finally am able to get high enough to peek over and see her and she's like oh hey dad where you been I almost died over here you know so now I'm going, okay, you're okay. Let me see if I can figure this out. And I'm thinking, okay, the, the, the best thing is for me to undo the bungee cord and they won't be tied together. And that was, so I climb back over the tree and now I'm trying to, this thing is so tight. I mean, there's so much pressure. I can't get the bungee cord undone. And so this is not the option. I climb back over the tree. Now I'm over there and I said, Ava, I'm gonna have to push really hard and try to get you over onto the right side of the current and around this tree. But I mean, it's flowing so hard. And I mean, even as strong as I am, I mean, it was like really, why are you laughing about that? <laughs> so I'm, I'm pushing, you know, and when there's current flowing, I mean, I didn't have much of a chance. And she lost the balance and then she flips over and now she's floating down the river. And she's bobbing up and now she's got a life jacket on, thank goodness. But she turned around while she's floating down the river with this look on her face like, you are the worst dad ever. <laughs> You know, and I felt like the worst dad ever in that moment. Thank goodness she floated on the side that was shallow and she caught herself and could stand upright there. And I was like, okay, just stay there and I'm going to get the kayaks undone. And finally I push them out and now I'm floating and I've got two kayaks and I'm trying to hold on to them and finally grab a hold of something, tie them up, get us situated and get... By this time, Natalie had been done for like an hour. I mean, they'd been long gone and done and, and I mean, we're paddling for another hour or two and finally get there. When we finally get there, Natalie's got this look on her face like, oh my gosh, what happened to you? Like, we almost died. That's what happened to us back there, right? So, we will never 
ever go family kayaking again. And I'm not so sure you should either. But here's the thing, guys. We started down this journey on the right path. We were doing the right things, doing them the right way, but then I made this minor adjustment and began to use the kayaks in ways that they weren't really intended to work, which caused us to get a little bit off course and then get stuck and put in this dangerous position. Did you know that churches can do the same thing? See, most churches start off their journey with a vision to reach their community with the good news of Jesus Christ. But somewhere along the journey, sometimes churches begin to make adjustments and start making it more about themselves rather than the people that they're trying to reach. And it seems fine at first on the journey. It even seems good because you like the people that you're around, but that wasn't really the way that God designed it to work. And somewhere along the journey down the river, there's a tree, there's a curve. And because you've gotten slightly off course, the church slams into the tree and can get stuck and then numbers begin to decline and things begin to deteriorate. But often when that happens, no one is really ever willing to get out of the boat and change directions or try anything new. And the church just stays stuck behind the tree and keeps doing the same things over and over until it slowly dies. We celebrated our 45-year anniversary as a church last week, and we talked last week briefly about how this church was launched. It was planted to try to reach the people who live in the south uh, part of Tyler, that they noticed 45 years ago that there was growth beginning to happen, that people were beginning to move into the southern part of the area, and there was this vision to be able to reach the people moving into the community with the gospel, right? So this church was launched with the Great Commission in mind, where, of course, Jesus said to go, to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And this is still our mission today as a local church. Jesus put us in this community, in this part of the community, to be for this community. It's one of our core values so that we don't forget that this is a key value or part of what it is that we are to be about. We are a church for this community, not for ourselves, but for the community. We don't want to drift away from that. We don't want to start to make it all about us. We don't want to create a holy little huddle and turn our backs on the community and those who are lost and hurting and in need of His grace. And so as we remind ourselves this morning of God's vision for us being a church in this community for this community, I want us to look at one of Jesus' miracles that we see in the Gospels, all four Gospels, the only miracle outside of the resurrection that all four Gospel writers include. And it shows us that Jesus was in the community 
for the community and that as the head of the church he will continue to lead us in this way so look at it with me we're going to read all of the verses together and then i'll come back and highlight some things that we see here mark chapter 6 beginning in verse 30 says the apostles gathered around jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd so he began to teach them many things by this time it was already late in the day so his disciples came to him this is a remote place they said and it's already late send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat but he answered you give them something to eat They said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000, Mark says. So I want to just highlight four things that we see in this passage that will help us continue to focus on being a church in the community for the community. The first one is this. Jesus was moved by compassion for the lost, and he will move us to have compassion for the lost as well. Jesus and his disciples were told by Mark were tired. They were trying to get away. They were trying to get some rest. They were trying to relax and be alone for a little while. But Mark says that when Jesus saw the people and he saw that they were in need, he was moved by compassion for them. He was concerned for them because they were lost and in need. And we see this all over the Gospels. Anytime that the writers were talking about Jesus showing up in a place, it was like he was filled with compassion for them, so he taught them the truth about things. Or someone would ask for healing, and they would say, well, moved by compassion for them, he healed them. This is part of who Jesus is, and because he is still moved by compassion for the lost and the needy today, and he's the head of the church, which is us, then we can expect him to move us by compassion and have that, feel that same compassion for the lost and the broken and those who are in need in our community. But he's not just going to cause us to feel something for them. He's not just going to cause us to have an emotional uh, type of compassion for them and not do anything about it, which leads me to the second thing we see in this miracle. 
Jesus used the disciples to meet their need, and he will use us to do the same, to meet the needs of others in our own community. Remember, the disciples came to Jesus and told him to send them away so that they could be fed. I mean, they were concerned about them as well. But do you remember what Jesus said? <laughs> you give them something to eat. Of course, we're told that they kind of, you know, instead of looking at Jesus and reminding themselves of all that he was capable of doing, they took their eyes off of him. They looked at the size of the crowd and they went, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I mean, there's no way we can pull something off like that. And I wonder how many times you and I have done the exact same thing. Now, I mentioned to you last week that I had been doing it in relation to the Now's the Time campaign and all that we kind of had and, and all that we're trying to do and all the things that we're trying to accomplish. And at some point, I just kind of took my eyes off of Jesus and all that he was capable of doing and went, man, there's no way. I don't know how we're going to do this and began to feel worried and anxious and all of those, those things. And, and remember, I mean, this Now's the Time campaign is something that we're doing that's part of this vision for being in the community for the community that's why we built it in the first place when we were talking about becoming a church 45 years ago to have a place to gather and to invite the community to worship and to hear the gospel and minister to them and serve them and God's been using this building in that way for the last 45 years but now as you know he's telling us to it's time to renovate it it's time to do some things to be able to continue to use it to reach the community and be a blessing and a benefit to them over the next 45 years but it's so easy to take our eyes off Jesus like the disciples did and think there's no way how are we going to do this I think I love about this is that Jesus didn't look at them and scold them he didn't say you no good worthy lousy disciples ye of little faith just I'm going to go get some new disciples you know he just took what they had and he provided a miracle out of what they had. I think that's a key thing for us to notice and recognize and keep in mind as we walk through. He took what they had and used it to provide. He will take what we have as well, and he will do what it is that he does to provide for the needs of those in the community. But I love what we see here because it wasn't like Jesus just did it and he could have just, being who he was, just here it is and all of a sudden it was like in their laps or something. He used the disciples. Afterwards, he provided what was needed and said, here, you guys go distribute it. So it was their feet. It was the disciples' feet that walked to where the people were. It was the disciples' hands that reached into the baskets and pulled out the food and handed it to the people so that they could eat. And you and I have to remember that if we are going to be a church in the community for the community, that Jesus is going to use us to reach them. It's going to come through us and our availability to be used. And Jesus, as the head of the church, looks at us in the same way that he did the disciples and says, you give them something to eat. I'll provide. You do it. Jesus will provide. But we get to participate in him or with him and what it is that he's doing in us and through us to meet the needs of those in our community. 
The third thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus ultimately satisfies. Mark and all of the other gospel writers, when telling us about this miracle that Jesus performed, tells us that the people didn't just like get a little bit of something to eat to kind of tie them over until they could get a real meal, right? I mean, he says they ate until they were satisfied. In other words, they ate until they were full. The same kind of full that you and I get when we go to a Chinese buffet and go back like four or five times and then eventually just have to push back from the table and say, I can't do it anymore, right? I mean, they ate until they were full. The thing that we wonder, okay, was it the food that satisfied them or was it Jesus? Maybe the answer is yes, right? I mean, certainly it was food in their bellies that satisfied the need of hunger, but without Jesus, they wouldn't have had the food in the first place. He was their provider. He was the one who satisfied their need. And of course, we ultimately know that Jesus is our satisfaction and fulfillment. He even used the, the, the food and the bread uh, one time declaring this truth in John 6, 35. I am, he says, the bread of life. So whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever comes to me, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Only Jesus can satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts. And as we turn to him, as his church, we will experience that satisfaction and that fulfillment in him, which will free us from having to try to find it out in the world somewhere. And guess what? If we're free from having to expend all this energy to find fulfillment and satisfaction in the world, guess what we're free to do? Look for people's needs to meet and share the gospel with them because we're so full and satisfied in Jesus that we can just be used by him and his kingdom work in the community. So this is what we do. We're in this community to be used by Jesus to meet people's tangible needs and, of course, eternal needs as we make ourselves available to him. Here's the final thing that we see in this passage I think this is so big for us too in Jesus there is abundance we see that here I mean the thing is is when thinking about how we're in this community for this community it can be so easy to sometimes have a scarcity mindset to focus on our limited resources we don't really have enough to make an impact who am i to really be able to help the people in this community what what do i have what resources do i really have to offer and contribute to these kinds of things and even if we have resources a scarcity mindset a lot of times will say yeah but look at our world today look at our culture look at the inflation look at the economy and all that's going on a scarcity mindset is focused on fear and how there might not be enough one day so i need to hold on to whatever it is that I have and I need to make sure I make it all more about me 
we focus on what happened here in Mark 6, though, you see that what's wrong with that kind of mindset. Because not only does Jesus take two small fish and five loaves and turn it into enough food to feed 10 or 15,000 people until they were satisfied, do you remember that the disciples, were told, picked up 12 baskets of leftovers? In other words, there wasn't just enough food to feed everyone. There was excessively, abundantly more than enough. And there always is with Jesus because he owns it all. It's all his. And he has abundantly more than all we could ever need or ask for. We're even told by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3 that Jesus will do that abundant work in us and through us. Praise this beautiful prayer in Ephesians 3. Favorite prayers in the Bible, and at the very end of it, he closes it out by praying for them and saying, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. What are you asking and imagining for? It's probably not big enough. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work where? Within us as the church. And so to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul says that Jesus can do immeasurably more. Do you know why we aren't able to measure it? (laughs) Because Jesus never runs out of it. His well never runs dry. So it's not like he can just throw it out there and say, see how much I have, and you actually measure it. It's like his well never runs dry. There's so much of it, you can't ever measure it. I think what we're seeing here with this miracle is that Jesus wants us to get rid of our scarcity mindset that we carry around a lot of times. He's saying, I've put you in the community for the community, and I'm able to do immeasurably more. I can take your two fish, I can take your five loads, and I can do immeasurably more with that i've got enough for your now is the time campaign i've got enough spiritual gifts to pass out and be expressed through you to love and serve and encourage and support the community i've got enough uh, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control that i can express through you towards those in this community and so my prayer for myself And for us as a church is that we will get rid of this scarcity mindset and the fear that drives it sometimes and have more of a Mark 6 perspective here, a feeding of the 5,000 perspective and abundance perspective. And so as we remind ourselves of the vision and mission that Jesus has called us to as a church, again, to be a community in this community for this community, then let's do those four things that we highlighted. Uh, Let's allow him to stir compassion in us for the lost in our community. 
Let's allow him to use us to meet tangible needs and eternal needs. Let's allow him to be our own satisfaction first and foremost. And then being freed from having to pursue it in the world, make ourselves available for how he wants to use us to point others to how they can find satisfaction in him. And then let's get away from the scarcity mindset and renew our minds to the truth of the abundance that we have in Jesus and the immeasurably more that he wants to do and can do in and through us. Remember, Jesus looked at his disciples in front of ten to 15,000 people and said, you give them something to eat. And he says the same thing to you and to me today. You, you give the people in this community that I've put you in something to eat. So what does that look like for you? Does that look like you going into your own neighborhood and serving your neighbors in some way? Does that look like you going into the workplace with a mindset that, hey, Jesus, I'm available to you to meet tangible needs and eternal needs as you work in me and through me? Does that look like you going into your school and sharing that with those in your class or your teachers or those on the courts or the fields with you? Does it look like you contributing resources to the now is the time campaign or continuing to ask even if he's led you down that road, is this still the direction that you have me going or would you like for me to do more or even sooner? Is it the kind of thing that maybe Jesus is leading you to be involved with specifically, let's get real practical, right? The car show next week. Here's an opportunity where the Lord says to go and make disciples and I put you in this community for the community. And guess what? He, he's gonna bring the community to us. <laughs> They're gonna be right here on our campus. Have you signed up to volunteer? Have you signed up to help with that yet? Yeah, it's early. And a lot of you are used to being here at the 11 o'clock time. And it takes a lot more work if you've got younger kids to get up and do it. But there is an abundance in Christ. He can do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. And there's this beautiful thing of us worshiping as one church and one family together and then partnering together to serve and meet needs in our community and build relationships and invite them into what Jesus is doing here. Maybe again, to continue to talk really practically, it's the same kind of idea with upward soccer. We took this weekend off. We started last week. Jesus is going to bring over a thousand people for the next seven Saturdays. Every Saturday, a thousand people right here onto our campus who live in our community. And again, we have a window where you and your groups and Sunday school classes can sign up to be a part of what God is doing there. Or you can sign up as an individual and see John and Nancy out here. Maybe it's to be involved with the apartment life ministry that we highlighted earlier this summer. There's an event going on this Tuesday that you can be involved with that. Don and Linda Kreitz back here can share more about that. Maybe it's mentoring someone through the Mentoring Alliance who we partner with here. Any number of ways just okay you and I are in this together right this is we are the church and so the response is Jesus we are your church you put us in this community for the community we're available to be used by you 
to be moved by compassion for the lost in this community and to be used by you to meet tangible needs and eternal needs because you can do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. May that be true of each one of us and collectively us as a church as we enter into this next kind of ministry year together. Let's pray.